Hey, welcome back to Visual Novel Book Club. I'm not your pal Slow Beef. I'm your pal Jim. But with me as always is my good friend Devious Vacuum. Hello, everyone. And my good friend Turbo C. Hello. And my good friend Oren Ronan. Good evening. So Slow Beef will be joining us. We just had a little uh, window where we had to record and he couldn't quite make it. So he's just going to be hopping on a little bit late for this episode. Can we can we call him out? Because he would totally do the same for us. <laughs> yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> this is our official Slow Beef Call Out podcast segment. Yep. So we all got into the call and we're like, uh, we all individually thought he was going to be doing, you know, he was busy in real life. He had to do something with, you know, his family or whatever. Uh, but Discord happily, handily uh, said right under Slow Beef's name, streaming uh, Mystery Tourney. So we know right. who... His favorite people are, and it's not us. Who his real friends are. Who dared, who dared schedule something with him on Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern? Can't believe it. And, and keep in mind, too, that when he said, all he said was, I have a potential conflict, which to us always sounds like there's something the matter with my kids. Or work or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we actually run this whole podcast like a business. We just, like, we have meetings, and we're like, oh, yes. Yeah, set up a... Outlook schedule and yeah, that's how we schedule recording dates. Conference room, all that, all that fun stuff. All podcasts are recorded this way. Yeah, the most professional of all podcast <laughs> recordings. That's what we got here. And what a chapter! So uh, we've got this is chapter seven, and we start off. When do we start off, Divek? We start off at the seventh door. Well, we last left our heroes. Um, uh, one here. Learning the horrible truth of what Michelle sent, the letter that Michelle sent to his mom, which was then revealed to us as just him being like, "Look, I'm your son. I'm I'm not your daughter. I'm your son. I am I am not a I am my body is not female anymore." Yeah. I don't think it ever was female. <laughs> no, I didn't expect this. I did not expect Michelle to be intersex yeah. because of the, yeah. the misdirection with the white-haired girl. And just, like, this is even e- arguably easier for cis people to understand his actual situation. So it's, like, even more infuriating. <laughs> I actually like that because I don't think there are that many intersex stories around. Um, no. I No. I not think of many. It's a cool theme, I think, in this of, like, with Morgana's story as well, of just, like, stuff that's more understood scientifically now that just because it took place in the past uh, was considered magical or uh, be- or evil or something like that. Yeah, and that's also supposedly one of the more common occurrences of intersex. So someone who's identified as a, like, he looks, they look like a girl when they're born and just when they get to puberty. Uh, stuff begins to happen. Exactly. We start the seventh door, uh, which takes place in 1086 through question mark, question mark, question mark, uh, with Michelle's birth. And uh, when Michelle was born, obviously Michelle is also albino, and uh, his mother, Lydia, there's going to be a lot of soft French ending words in this, and I apologize ahead of time to everyone. <laughs> 
when as we pronounce these names. Yeah, so I'm I'm going by the the Katakana pronunciation, and that says Lidi, and I'm not sure which which one is more correct. If it's Lidi or Lidie. It's definitely Lydie. Okay. Like not not Lydie. I don't I don't think because it's L Y D I E, and um, so his mother embraces his like the fact that he's albino and, and she's like, wow, my my child must be an angel, and uh, but of course we've already told you the whole thing, the big reveal. Yeah, the albino and being like, oh, they're an angel is kind of in stark contrast to all the other, like, white-haired girl stories that we've had before, which is just, like, oh no, the eyes of the devil. Must be a yeah. witch, yeah. yeah. And I think the big thing for that is, this is the child of nobility. So yeah. That privilege oh, yeah. means, instead of being a demon, you're an angel. The damn one percenters. Because Michelle was born with genitals that gave the appearance of having a vagina, or uh, on the at least on the exterior, it seems ambiguous. Um, but anyway, because really, because Michelle doesn't have a penis, yes. uh, he is considered a girl. We don't really know that much else about his situation, um, and and they never he never learns. Like I just sorry, this is like getting ahead of myself, but I'm just like. So, I mean, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the Michelle's lack of information about anything about how, even how, um, you know, how cisgender bodies are supposed to look and function. But how, how would he know? I mean, he, 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 he the, the first time he gets to know that is when he tells that servant to, to undress. Fucked up scene, by the way. Yeah. And I guess, I guess so, right? Yeah, why? Why would like uh, I guess what a twelve-year-old girl in in that time would know th- those kind of things? Yeah, they might have told. I mean, a boy might know, but yeah, they wouldn't tell a girl. Yeah, I don't think sex ed was really up to up to snuff. Yeah, the the, the sheltering of at least female ch- children back then is like one hundred percent the one thing that makes sense here. Like, because this isn't always at least the translation isn't isn't always historically accurate. But that that role for whatever the time period means, like, yeah, the. the this person would be walled away, not allowed to, to engage in any of these kind of discussions in any way, shape, or form, and certainly not be able to see anything. And I guess they, they I mean, I would assume that they wouldn't even particularly warn uh, a girl about, like, what her wedding night was going to be like. I don't know. I just, it's just, the whole thing is just, like, absolutely the worst possible thing that could have happened. Yeah. Well, they wouldn't even warn her that the wedding night is coming. No. Like... All right, get in the carriage. You're getting married today. Oh, they would just be like, bye. Wow. And we eventually find out that I think when, when this chapter gets going, because it starts off with, with the mother definitively saying it's a girl and I'm going to name her, or the father telling her the mother to name the girl. And then it immediately jumps forward to when uh, Michelle's uh, 14. And at that point, the fact that they view her as a 14-year-old girl means people are like, oh, you're 14, okay. Oh, well, why don't you start meeting men now? Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's let's start with the the you know Michelle is born, um, and they they decide to to name him. Um, and this was my favorite part because the dad was like, "Oh my god, I already had to name two boys already. Fuck it, you name." Them. <laughs> <laughs> There's a weird emphasis on like women naming their children in this like that that's like or like women should be able to name things well like it's like said to 
Michelle, like, name this cat, like, because it'll be practice for your future children, like, I guess maybe that, I don't know if that's historically accurate or what, but there seems to be a cultural emphasis on, like, oh, yes, the woman will come up with a name. Yeah, I think that was, I, I have no idea of the, like, historical, societal context of it, but I think in this case it was at least more just to, like, hammer home that, like, hey, everyone has these expectations of you as a, as a woman, which is, you know, have a billion kids. Yep, that's it. <laughs> yeah. And em- embroider, embroider and like flowers. <laughs> yeah, embroidery. That was also hammered home a lot. Yeah, can't do art except for embroidery. No other art is allowed. No creativity at all. No involvement, no active involvement in anything. It's just sort of the decorations. Well, the vagina would get in the way of all that, so... <laughs> Um, so Michelle's mother, like, is so excited to have a daughter. She's like, I always wanted a girl. I was, I want, so this, this is already setting it up to be bad for her not to accept the truth. Um, and Michelle's mother, like, is trying to get him to do girl things. And she keeps being like, oh, you're like, you know, you spend too much time with your brothers. And Michelle has two older brothers. The oldest brother is named Didier. Didier, yeah. yeah. Didier, and he's hot, and a knight, uh, part of the Knights Templar, I think. Yes? Yes. Probably. And yes. he's excited to do a crusade, yeah? Yep, exactly. Um, so right away, not great. He keeps getting beat in chess. Yeah, Michel can beat him in chess. Michel is similar to his brother Didier more than his other brother, Georges. Yeah? George. Yeah. George. 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 Um... This sucks. I'm sorry, French people. <laughs> I am glad that you made an attempt before I had to, so thank you for taking the hit there. We didn't get to aim yet. <laughs> like, we can't even use the English name, because there is no English Didier. Like, what does that translate to? Uh, Diddy Kong. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, no, that really got me. Uh, but uh, so we we get a scene of Michelle playing chess with Didier, and um, I love that Michelle is just as like overly logical and unpleasant as a child, like as a fourteen year old, as than he as he is when we meet him. Like he his personality is exactly the same. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's not a great personality. <laughs> no, it's it's very like literal and like no, but why wouldn't you just do this? That's what we do. These are the rules. Yeah, come on. It reminds me of my cousin when he was that age, got like really into uh, Nova, like television programming, and he only wanted to watch things that were real. He didn't want to watch anything that was like fake or made up or a story. Like he didn't want to watch cartoons. He only wanted to watch like nature documentaries and stuff because that was real. (laughs) And like, (laughs) that's Michelle as a child. Yeah, that's exactly it. And as an adult. (laughs) Yeah, sort of as an adult. Uh, one of my uh, favorite things as we were, uh, introducing Didier, um, was in the chess scene, at least, um, that, uh, Michelle was talking about, like, well, you got to think about this tactically, like, as if it were a war, and then we read that, uh, we learn that, uh, Michelle has read all of Didier's books, which Didier himself has not even done. Yeah. <laughs> Didier's, like, at one point, Georges calls Didier a meathead, and he absolutely is. (laughs) 
Yeah, so so Michelle's brothers are like the fight brother and the art brother. And so George is a is an artist. He's a, a court artist. Both of them are dumbasses, though. I really want to hammer that home. Oh, they're right, incredibly they're stupid. stupid. Yeah, no, this is like this is like real. This is real brother vibes of just like you put them together and they start fighting. They get into trouble. Like things go wrong immediately. Like it, it seems like a, a fun time. <laughs> yeah. And we get a scene where. Uh, Michelle wants to watch, so, oh, so Georges got, like, signed up for a, like, a, some sort of sword fighting, like, exhibition. Fun sword fight, I guess. And he's like, please teach me how to do swords, because I have to do this now. And Didier's like, uh, fine, I guess, even though I don't like you. And, uh, Michelle's like, I want to watch. And, um, but he's still sensitive to sunlight, same deal. So they're like, oh, well, you can watch from inside. And, um, he's also a lot younger than them, it seems like. Yeah, they definitely seem like full adults. Yeah, when he's like, yeah, 14, they're already like way adults. At this point, I was a little worried because it looked like, at this point, we didn't know about the intersex thing yet. Um, We thought it was going to be like a trans story. And I was a little worried because it looked like they they were going for the, oh, um, they like swords and and reading books, so they must, must identify as a male, which is not exactly the right idea, I think. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, I mean, that's still here. I mean, there's still a lot of emphasis on, but I think Michel just like, likes things that at his cultural moment in time were associated with men. Cause like right now, like being an artist and being creative would, I think you would much more say, oh, that's proof that that person was feminine. And he wants to do all the boy things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But especially swords. But the writing also gets very much clear later that. Is they really do identify as a man, not just like someone who's female but but likes many things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it uh, it it gets into that uh, pretty well uh, later. But yeah, I, I had the same sort of uh, I wouldn't say concerns, but like you know, you think that they're just gonna be like, all right, this person identifies as male um, because they like you know the guy things. Yeah. 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 And also keep in mind that this is someone faced with societal expectations that are pretty binary. Like there's no there's no nuance in, you know, sort of the Middle Ages. Oh yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of emphasis on how binary it is too in when they explain things to Michelle. And uh and even like his brothers are like, You can't hold a sword because you're a girl, you're too weak to hold a sword and he's like well, let me try, and like, but they won't even they won't even let him hold it, like or like. Yeah, he's like he he, he could accept it if it was because he was weak, but not just because he's a girl. Yeah. And meanwhile, with the brothers are like that, and you know they're they're okay, they get along. But Michelle's mother really wanted him to be exactly like her, and is like, why don't you want? Won't you come and do embroidery? Like, won't you come and do this and this and um. And then, this is a really good scene, because I feel like Lydia, like, she really does love Michelle. She just can't understand, like, she she thinks that she has a daughter who is trying to, 
who who is upset at her position in life and she's trying to say like no this is this is what it is this is this is your fate as a woman and like it's my fate too and like trying to like break that to her in a way i guess um because uh because she's like oh well you're you know you're accepted and and uh is like no like you're a girl you're so you're strong like it's okay that you're a girl like you know you you can do all these things and like trying to be like real like girl power to michelle but obviously that only makes it worse yeah and 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 the mother has to put all these things in the context of the church, which I think is how this is going to constantly come up in this chapter and, and probably in the whole game, is that people certainly in the earlier time periods don't have any other reference for the supernatural other than gods and demons. So, you know, anything is is God has, you know, blessed us with this angelic child and God has determined this is going to happen. And then if anything goes wrong, it's demonic possession or whatnot. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, Michelle continues to, like, fantasize about becoming a knight and is thinking, like, oh, I want to hold a sword. What if, what if the, you know, what does the armor feel like and stuff? And, um, uh, George says that Didier wants to, he wants, so at this point he's not a knight yet. He's, like, going to be one. And he, they kind of talk about, like, that he wants to join the Knights Templar, but, like, reform them, as if to say, like, such a thing is possible. Yeah. <laughs> Which is odd, um, but they don't really dwell on that very long. Um, but Michelle goes and talks to Didier and is like, please, I want to I wanna be a knight, like, please, won't you teach me to, like, h- hold a sword or something, like, secretly? Um, and Didier's response is obviously no, because you're a girl, but also, I feel like he's a lot older than Michelle, and he know. He, I think he understands more what it means to kill people with a sword. And he's like, "You don't want to do this, like you know, like you don't want to join the military, Michelle. Like that's not. I don't want that for you." This did sort of feel like a, you know, kid in the backyard playing with gu- you know, playing with fake guns or something like that, and being like. Oh yeah, I want to, you know, be an army man or whatever, as opposed to the actual reality of any of that. Yeah, yeah. Diddy is pretty clear that he's trying to protect her because what he sees his duty is to protect women and children, and he wants to keep her as far away from anything like from that as possible. You know, even though, you know, as he sees Michelle, and and in Michelle's case, he just wants to like be a you know he wants to participate in in this stuff. But Didier's response is like, you've been around us guys too often. You should just go do women things. And it's crushing because Michelle clearly at this point hasn't identified as male. But like Michelle absolutely feels like this is something he could do if he was just given a chance. Yeah. And then uh, he kind of realizes that in this realization that he can't become a knight, he sort of has to he realizes that becoming a knight, like he's not obsessed with becoming a knight. He, and he starts to realize that he's obsessed more, that he's feeling more like he's, uh, needs, wants to be a man in general, not yeah. that, uh, not a knight in particular. And then things really start to go off. Um, when Michelle is 14, he meets, uh, Aime for the first time, uh, who is George's, uh, fiance. And 
she is this beautiful woman, and Michelle doesn't have... There's not a lot of women around, so... Um, I like that he's still super blunt all the time, so he just sees Aime and he's like, Who are you? <laughs> what are you doing here? And she explains herself, and... Uh, so Aime is there to get married to Georges, to George, and, uh, yeah, so there, then, uh, Michelle's mom is excited because he's gonna get, to, he's, he's like, oh, you can, or she's like, you can spend time with another girl, um, and Michelle is like, I should have been like, no, that's, I don't want to do that, but somehow I was okay with it. So, he has a crush on this girl. And, uh, then they have a, they get married, and at the wedding reception, uh, Georges invites all of his artist friends to the wedding reception, and they're, like, I guess, like, lower class people or something. We're not even really sure that they're his friends, either. Yeah, he's just very, Georges is an idiot. Like, he's... He's very, like, tr- blindly trusting of people, and he's just like, they're fine. I don't think they were lower class. I think they were, di- they were just drunk at a party. Yeah. It felt a lot like he just, you know, went to, you know, the artist's guild or wherever, you know, you can find some people like that and just be like, who wants to fucking party at my bachelor party? Yeah. <laughs> like, these people are my friends. Yeah, just come on over, new friends. Yeah, we love gorges. George. George. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and they're all drunk, which is another problem. Uh, and uh, so, uh, so George, uh, so George takes Michelle up to them to like introduce and say, like, "Oh, this is my little sister." Um, and all the men start to like appraise Michelle and appraise like his body, and it's like, "Oh, you know, you're." It's, like you need, aren't you? You just like, are you like more developed? Like you aren't developed enough, and um, just like, oh, you're thinking about boys, and you know, you're gonna get married, and um, Michelle is deeply offended by all of it, and is just like, this is gross. They're just treating me like an object, and he's so offended that he refuses to put out his hand for one of the men to kiss, which is like what he's supposed to do in terms of polite nobility um but then then he finally does it because uh george is upset and uh the man the friend uh then actually kisses his hand instead of just pretending which is apparently what they were supposed to do back then so michelle gets so offended that he storms off and is just really upset by these men being gross to him i don't think he's even just he's not just offended he's grossed out by that yeah, he's disgusted for sure. Yeah, uh, it it starts actually like trying, you know, uh, washes the skin raw, trying to like, you know, out damn spot. Uh, yeah. Type thing, and George uh, tries to make things better, but makes them a lot worse by just sort of being like, oh, you know, he's just sort of into you, and you know, it's about that time where you should start looking at guys. But I understand you want to be with a guy that you, or I'm sorry, you. you uh, you want to be with a guy that you really love or something like that. He says that in reaction to... Because after Michelle goes to the hallway, the man, the drunk man, follows him and, like, threatens Oh, yeah. Him, pushes Shit. him up against the wall and is like, I think you're really pretty and I'm interested in courting you. And Michelle's like, nah, dude. Yep. And Michelle can't move. 
like he can't yeah, like he's, he's not strong enough to, to even it slightly move the guy who's pinning against the wall and and the guy is like at least i forget what it was it was something stupid like uh you'd inspire me to write a song and he's just and michelle's like no and he's like that always works <laughs> like like hey i made i made the least amount of effort possible i gave you a line i've used 25 times before how, how are you reacting rejecting me now yeah and and michelle kind of like almost like blacks out i mean like there's it seems like the there's threat of sexual violence which would be ridiculous uh in the house of a no- noble family but mm-hmm. um yeah george arrives and and breaks it up and and then is like he's a nice guy really he's just drunk yeah uh and then michelle runs to his room and does a swear he he goes privately into his room in the most 14-year-old energy possible and goes into his room and goes, God damn it! And then immediately he's like, oh, I would get in trouble if I heard that, but I can't stop it. God damn it! I gotta say it again! <laughs> oh, I'm addicted now. They warned me of the gateway cursing. Uh, what was the uh, curse in uh, Japanese? Do you have, do you have a chick show and, and and they emphasize that it's not the word that a woman would ever use. So is that did they do that in in English too? No. It, I don't. Well, was oh yeah maybe it was more that it was blasphemous. Yeah, yeah. Because he says like even Didier and Georges would get in trouble for it, and especially me as a woman. Mm. Yeah, no, I think in Japanese they really emphasize that it's not a word that a woman would ever use. It works a little better in Japanese probably because up to this day they are like kind of a men's language and a women's language. Mm. Um, so the concept is probably better understood. But yeah, but it's not really blasphemous in Japanese, chikshaw. So they added that in English. Is that is that the same idea as God damn it? Or is yeah, it's, it's, it's the exact same idea. It's also pretty mild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's cute. Um, so... So, uh, George arrives and makes sure, and then is like, you know, Michelle, are you okay? And then Michelle's like, yeah, I'm fine, like, cause he, physically he's fine. Um, and, and, and George is like, okay! <laughs> and leaves. Um, and then Aime arrives and is like, oh, actually, you know, you're not okay. And is like, uh, we need to talk about this. Like, George, you leave. And, uh, Aimee is like, you know, we're women. We're always going to be easily physically overpowered by men. And, um, you know, that's just how things work. And uh, after that, Aimee says that she's going to spend more time with Michelle. So she starts going to vaguely hang out uh, together as much as you would hang out with, like, your, like, baby sister-in-law. It also gets really touchy-feely, which is initially seems like it's just, oh, it's just girls hanging out. And then we're going to find out later that it's probably a little bit differently motivated than that. Yeah. And uh, so the whole thing, I mean, Michelle has a crush on M.A., and so it's very difficult for him to deal with, like, M.A., like, playing with his hair and touching him all over and stuff, like, just being hugging him or whatever and and you know being close all the time and And this is sort of the point where uh you know michelle sort of realizes oh i 
that this is why I'm I'm okay with being around Aime, but not any other women. Yeah, he's like, I like girls. Oops. But also isn't really coming to terms with that. It's just sort of like, I'm overwhelmed by this emotion that I'm feeling. Yeah. It's not super addressed in any length. It's just like, oh. Oh. Yeah. And and meanwhile, Aime is trying to explain... Like, she, she tries to explain it almost like, did your parents not raise you right? Like, where she's like, these are men things and these are women things. And, like, this is our place in life. And we just, you know, we have to deal with it. And uh, she she's trying to be very, like, upbeat and euphemistic. But she does have a line where she says, like, as a woman, you get used to just being a piece in their games when talking about nobility which is the first sign we see of, like, full-blown cynicism. Um, and I think up until then, like, Michelle's mom was trying to communicate that without, being, without like, letting the cynicism uh, show, which is why Michelle, especially being Michelle, who, like, doesn't get subtext, did not get yeah. the subtext. Um, oh yeah, and she does, like, she, she then teases Michelle to be like, oh, like, your breasts haven't come in yet, or like, they're not very big, and like, just touches his chest, and Michelle's like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and he gets so upset, like, turned on by it, that they're like, very close to each other, and he kind of, he kind of kisses her on the side of the mouth. And then they both, like, look at each other like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> and Aimee's like, this is like girls are only supposed to chick- kiss on the cheek, not on the mouth. Like that's not how it works. Um, and I'm gonna go now. And then she goes. Yeah. And of course, Michelle is mortified. And eventually follows or like goes out to walk around because now it has this like internal tur- turmoil. Yeah. And comes upon Ma telling someone that first off, number one. Uh, this, she's telling this person what happened. She's also saying she's kind of disgusted by it, and she's also saying, "I've known from the beginning what Michelle was thinking. That I I could tell from the beginning that you know they were that they you know had all these thoughts. They keep watching me. I know what's going on in Michelle's head. And then it turns out that the person they're telling this to is not his her, her husband or fiance George. It's the brother Didier. Yeah." And and he's like, and, and then Didier's like, don't worry about it so much. <laughs> like, just just let her do her thing. Talking about Michelle, and um, Michelle also learns the word homosexual in this scene. But Michelle's like, why are they out here together? Like, are they seeing each other? And they must be. Does actually the word homosexual? Yes, Aimee yeah. uses the word homosexual. Yeah, that, that's also probably anachronistic, right? Yep. She's like, I don't, I, I think that's gross. That homosexuality is what she says. Yeah. I'm here. What did I miss in the world of uh, Fata Morgana? Michelle just learned what homosexual means. <sighs> what a whirlwind. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole journey here. This is a whole, like, like, of all, like, going through puberty is already a nightmare, but, like, this is, like, the worst puberty nightmare that there ever was. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so, <Yep. laughs> so, Michelle figures that Aime and Didier are seeing each other. And probably not even knowing what puberty is. No. Even. 
And literally the next day, speaking of puberty. But but I, I really like that scene because at least in Japanese they don't use the word homosexual. The same, um, Aime is saying that she's not really into like same-sex love. And I like that Michelle just doubts that that's what it really is because it doesn't feel right to him. I feel like there's nothing yeah. more to it. It's not like he's a woman who loves another woman, but there's, more, there's something more there. And I think that was really well written. That is a good point, that, that it never seems to come... Like, it always seems that Michelle is, isn't is sure what's going on and can't understand that concept because it just doesn't feel right. Yeah, even if presented with, with, the, with the possibility that it might, he might be a woman who just loves another woman, he doesn't feel that's right either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the puberty nightmare begins. The next day, Michelle wakes up with a terrible fever, and his joints hurt. Um, and it took me a minute for me to, like, it took me a minute to realize what this was, because I didn't go through boy puberty, um, but, like, this is the growth spurt that happens at 14. Yes, I'm familiar. <laughs> Got one up on me, honestly. I didn't recognize this at all. But did you have, did you have, not, I mean, I, I think, I don't think everybody has it, but like, there's a lot of boys that have that like sudden growth spurt in like early teens and they go, they get, grow like a foot. And the growing pains and all that. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I think it's a, it's a little accelerated, you know, for dramatic effect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I certainly had one summer where I grew like, you know, four or five inches, but like it wouldn't, I, I don't remember it being this dramatic of like, oh, I feel pain in my joints all the time. I remember a summer where I grew four to five inches. <laughs> 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 this really looks like in, in about a month or two, uh, he got like from from having the body of a child to a f- full grown body for men. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and com- complete voice change and everything. <laughs> the, yeah. So, um, so Michelle's mother, like right away, is like, "Are you know, are you okay? Like taking care of him, everything." Um, while he's out, like, unconscious from the fever and the pain, Michelle has dreams, and he says, like, oh, I dreamed of, like, having a man's body and loving a woman, and, um, when he wakes up, his voice is deeper, and his body hurts all over, and, uh, he says, like, to his mother, like, oh, mother, like, I, I don't feel well or something, and, um, his voice is low now, and uh, Michelle's mother responds and, like, almost, like, tries to, like, cover up that anything's wrong, but keeps saying, like, you're a girl, you're my girl, like, you're you're my daughter from heaven, like, over and over and over again. Yeah, because she's trying to convince herself even more so than Michelle. To, to be honest, she probably doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. it It feels like she does know what's going on just by the fact that she keeps like like this is suspicious in a way even though we know she doesn't know what's happening yeah even if she doesn't know she's always known there's been something different Mm -hmm. like she's known that part yeah because she's his mom she's been trying she's been lying to herself and it all kind of comes crashing down a little bit here and because of this she keeps him in his room because his voice remains low even as he is able to recover from the fever and he stays in bed for six months (laughs) yeah so six months later he's uh physically male so you know he has the broad shoulders and the chest and the adam's apple um and the deep voice 
And he looks at himself in the mirror and he's like, ah, finally, a miracle happened and I'm, I'm finally uh, a man like I want to be. And he writes his name, Michelle, the, the female Michelle, and then erases the L-E at the end. And he's like, don't need this anymore. At this point, no one's visiting him anymore, right? Even his mother stopped. Yeah, they're just bringing him food. Yeah, it's your servants, yeah. So he almost gets away with it. He goes to the Great Hall to see his family who's having dinner. He's like, he's pissed at them for leaving him in in this room by himself and like ignoring him. And uh, he's wrapped in a blanket because they won't give him clothes. Because girl clothes don't fit him. And they won't give him any clothes. (laughs) So he's just wrapped in a blanket and he walks out like fully looking male because his genitals are covered and even and everyone's stunned. Aime is like looks at Lydia and is like, You dress your son like a girl? That's fucked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um Michelle uh drags everyone. He he yells at them and and also reveals that he knows that Aime and Didier are sleeping together. <laughs> He makes one fatal mistake because is is the past. Nobody would have asked to look at his genitals, but he throws off his cloak, and everybody can see that he does not have a penis. And they all freak out, and they're like, "You're an abomination! You're a monster!" And they lock him back in his room and block out the windows. Yeah. Can I say though, what a dramatic coming out though. Just like- <laughs> yeah, I know. We can all only dream. I'm a guy, also, those two are fucking. (laughs) (laughs) We stand. Um, (laughs) So everybody thinks he's a monster or or something, you know. I I think that that Michelle's mom thinks that he is cursed. Like, she thinks that that her daughter was cursed to look like a man or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, um... So Michelle is locked in in the bedroom again and uh, only communicates with his mother through letters. Um, I feel like this this is another example of this game like having all like the all these parallels because this whole situation is a parallel to what happens to the white haired girl in the Jacopo chapter. Yeah, and uh, which is interesting and. Um, and then it slowly becomes apparent to us, the reader, uh, that Michelle does not understand. Michelle does not know what a penis is. Michelle does not understand what the difference is between his body and like the other men's bodies. And um, because he would not have been, uh, as as a girl, he would not have been told what any of these things are. Yep. But knows that when you know the groin was revealed, that's when everyone reacted. So that's what, that, that's what he has to say. I just say you're missing something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they won't say what it is. Oh, that's mm-hmm. so uh, out of frustration when a male servant arrives to bring him his food. He orders the male servant to take off his clothes, and the male servant is like, "Please, no! It's I'm embarrassed. I you're just gonna make fun of me." <laughs> <laughs> And um, 
And then Michelle finally sees a penis and is like, that's that's what I'm supposed to have and I don't have it. That's what all the fuss is about? <laughs> yeah, literally. God, same, same, Michelle. That's that's what Tidier's been drawing everywhere. <laughs> yeah, now we finally get all the graffiti that his brother's drew. Oh, that's what the bushes are. Okay, sure. <sighs> So then Michelle gets very upset and attacks the servant and tries to castrate him and is like, you're going to be like me. And, and then, you know, you're going to be this. I'm, I'll make you the same as me. And like Michelle, does, again, does not have clothes. Don't know what's going like. So the whole situation is is a lot mm. and it makes him look like he's lost his mind. And the other servants have to come and restrain him. He yells for his mother and he's like, mother, I'm not cursed. Um... After that, uh, none of the servants want to bring him anything, uh, cause they're afraid. And, uh, six days pass without him being brought food or water, and he's about to die. Yeah. Yep. And he yells out for someone, like, I mean, it's just a door, right? Like, so, like, he yells out, and, like, people in the hallway can hear, cause he can hear them. Um, but none of the servants, like, come in and help him. They all are just kind of like, he's, you know, she's lost her mind, and that's it. I could kind of, uh, buy him not getting able to get out, or, you know what I mean? Like, if you have, like, some kind of, like, real, like, even if your life depended on it, like, a real heavy oak door or something, you know? It's already established that Michelle is, is not strong at all. Mm -hmm. And, and even with the, the gross parts, you've been in bed, yeah. yeah. And he's been in a bed for six months? Yeah. 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 I'm surprised that he didn't die after six days without food or water. Water especially, right? Yeah. 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 Unless unless he drank his own pee and they kind of just gloss over that. Not that fa- But then again, Fata Morgana doesn't like to gloss over things, I've noticed. Well, Michelle <laughs> does gloss over things because he doesn't talk about all the ways he was tortured. Mm. He just kind of like sets it up and then it's like, and other ways. That's true. But I'm not going to tell you those. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I mean- Chances are there's a chamber pot. Mm. It's never mentioned, but there is one. So I mean, if you get desperate enough, it's just sitting there. Mm. Uh, by the way, a week is is like on the long end of how long a, a person can survive without water. Like, yeah, isn't it like three or four days. That's what I thought too. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Michelle was very well hydrated before going into that room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um. So after the six days, he's, like, literally about to die, like, lying on the floor. And, um, Aime shows up and reveals that she had volunteered to bring him food, but didn't actually do it as punishment for outing her for having an affair with Didier. Um, but she, this being the past and her being a woman, she had no idea that people can't survive without water. Hmm. So after that... Aime decides that for revenge, um, for outing her and causing trouble, she's going to torture Michelle for fun now. Uh, and she tortures him for six months before he gives up and stops responding to her and uh, she gets bored and stops. Yeah. And that's a, a long, a long and very mm. uncomfortable scene. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's very gratuitous. Um, I, you know, this is, I think this is a problem that this game has in general. I feel like there's a line between, like, showing that people are cruel and, like, getting people to feel like they want to give up hope, like, they want to curse these people, and then sort of just 
just being gratuitous in a way that feels like, I don't know. This one especially just kind of like rubbed me the wrong way. I was like, is this for someone? Like, is someone into this? Because I'm not. I think, I mean, I think it's kind of making the mistake that like a lot of kind of horror does too, where it's like confusing, like, I think it'd be wrong to call it like torture porn, but like that kind of like explicit violence or abuse or, you know what I mean? Like with something scary in a way, possibly, because this has been, like, there has been a lot of, like, abused characters uh, in various, you know what I mean? Like, we've just been through two long sequences of this. Like, I almost feel like, not burned out, but it's just like, oh my god, like, this is a lot, you know what I mean? And, no, I don't know, it it just, yeah, it felt like I, I maybe could have done without, like, at least, like, one thing of this, you know what I mean? Like, okay, that's... Plenty, thank you, Fata Morgana. That kind of deal. yeah. I was fully expecting, you know, one of the, one of these characters to to do a heel turn, uh, and uh, I, w- I was I was expecting uh, Georges uh, to do it um, based off of his character art, and then I was it, we sort of didn't, and or at least not like to make them comically evil, like uh, um, what's her name? Uh, Amy. Amy, yeah. Amy is. I, so I think there, there are two things the game is trying to do here, and one of them is having Michelle go through pretty much as horrible uh, things as, as as Morgana did in her chapter, mm-hmm. just yeah. to contrast what happens later, where he doesn't go the same way she does, right? And refuses to curse anyone, and that requires some like pretty terrible stuff happening to him. That's yeah. Um, and the second thing, I think, that there's one thing that uh, Emma said at some point in this scene, and, and that's like that it's not like she revealed her true self to him now, but, but ev- everything she does is part of her. Like, the, the, the part where, she, where, where she's nice and uh, is also a, a part of her, uh, the real her. And not, not like she's a really horrible woman who, who just hides behind a mask most of the time. And I think that's also going somewhere, especially considering what the end of this chapter suggests. Yeah. It just, it kind of, like, it fools around a lot. Like, there's multiple days where Aimee comes in to torture Michelle, and, like, the one time when he bites her, the one time, you know, where she kicks him a bunch of times, and, like, all those, like, all those individual tiny things did not, they did, they did not all need to be there. Like, Mm. you could just jump to the part where, like, he tries to fight back by biting her, and she overpowers him. And that, and then, you know, it could have all been one, one day instead of being like several days in a row. Yeah, she seems to be like, she seems to be partly doing this for revenge, but partly as a frustration for, you know, being a woman in at those times yeah. and, and just being um, married to someone she doesn't know. Um, there's lots of things going on. I, I think the game is trying to at least try to show that she's not like a completely a complete villain with no redeeming features at, at all. Yeah. And I guess to be fair to show kind of what uh, Michelle had to go through, they, I mean, they kind of can't just go like, and then I was tortured for like weeks anyway. You know what I mean? Like, they, I guess they have to like kind of do that if it makes sense. Yeah, I think a big thing about this game is that the, the, the way this is written and the way it's paced is to sort of have these long, very... Um, not elaborate, but very drawn-out sequences to show the passage of time and and the weight of repetitive behavior and repetitive abuse on people. Mm. I just think that, you know, 
I don't know if doing this for torture scenes works as well as like so as like showing someone being constantly berated as they live in the mansion by Morgana. Right. Like I think that prob- that sequence probably works better than than drawing out a torture sequence. Yeah, and, and especially in this chapter, I felt like this game did what a lot of Japanese games does, which is like repeat the same things over and over again with different phrasing. Yeah, mm. I think um, I think I, I you know, and this is like kind of playing pretend visual novel author, but I almost feel like maybe if we'd spaced out, I feel like uh, Morgana's chapter where all those horrible things happen to her, like comes right on the, he- this comes right on the heels of that. And I feel like Giselle's wasn't that far from Morgana's either. So it's like, you know, there's a lot that gets pushed in like kind of together when it comes to like long, horrid things, you know? So possible maybe if this were spaced better, but obviously there's not enough story to really do that with. But maybe if maybe if I'd gotten a breather, I might feel differently about it, is what I'm sort of thinking. Yeah, I mean, and it's just like from Jacopo's chapter up to this one, it's just sort of been like the main character, so to speak, is just being tortured. Mm-hmm. If you consider the white-haired girl a main character. Hmm. So torch torture's bad. That's the visual novel book club stance on things. Yeah, you can you can take that one to the bank. And <laughs> May is she's like you know she, it's I think even Michelle's narration is like you know she was because she's like I have total like I have total power over you. I don't have power over anything as a woman, but I have power over you. Total power over you, and you need to accept it. And at first he doesn't, and then eventually he. Um, he does. He doesn't ever accept it. He just like does. He just like does what he needs to do and stops responding so that she'll stop. Um, but the whole thing obviously like scared him. But even in his narration, he won't like admit it quite the same way. He won't say like, "Oh, I was scared," I, you know. But obviously, he was. And so the th- another thing that bothers me about this sort of Amy's situation, and I'm never gonna be able to feel correct saying ama but um it's that uh she's sort of like oh i have this power now so i just want to abuse people and it's sort of like this absolute power corrupts absolutely thing but she's given the most minuscule power is like well shit i'm super evil now (laughs) yeah wait so the only power she has right anything in her life probably um and, and I mean, it. They do in like this discussion say that like no, this she she's like no, I'm I've just sort of always been like this. This isn't like a heel turn or anything. I was also generally nice to you a few times, and that was also me. I wasn't hiding any, behind a mask or all that. So I think we can trust her. Yeah. <laughs> in the final act, when she comes to save us against Morgana, right. And then she just gets bored and stops. Like, she's just like, I'm done. I'm gonna go embroider now. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> and I think a big thing is that, that it's you wonder how, like, reflective this behavior is. You know, how, how um, uh, Ame is just re- sort of repeating this cycle of, of, like, she's been abused before. So now that when yeah. she needs to be the abuser, she, she just pushes that onto Michelle. And then as soon as she can't get the satisfaction of seeing that sort of, you know, like... That or not maybe not satisfaction, but of, of that that whatever um, uh, 
impulse is 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 quieted when she sees someone re- like respond the way that she would when she was abused. She yeah. doesn't get that back anymore, so she stops. Yeah, because that and like looking back on it now, um, it that makes complete sense. That because how would she, as a woman in that time period, even like know about some of the things that she does, like that she thinks to do, right? Like she drops the goblet on the ground and is like, drink it off the floor. Like, why would she know? Why would she even know about that, <laughs> right? Yeah. So that that speaks to like, yeah, it's, uh, scary. Some some bad stuff has perhaps happened to her, but um, while this torture is happening, uh, we get a flashback scene with Michelle and his brothers, and a time where they uh, were hanging out together. And uh, Georges is like, "I found a cat, and I like, I mom won't let me keep it in the house." And then they were all like, "Let's keep it." And Michelle's like, "Let's keep the cat together." And and then they're both like, "Yay!" And Didier's like, "No, we can't keep a cat." But they like sucker him into doing it. It's very cute. And uh, and because like Didier's like, "I'm not gonna do it because George, you won't take care of it." And he's like, "Too late. You're in it now. You'll take care of it for us, right?" And um, and they're like, "Oh, what should we name the cat?" And they're like, "Oh, Michelle, you should name the cat." Um, because it's it'll be practice for when you're older and you have children, and you'll name them. Um, so give it a give it a, a pretty name or a creative name, and uh, and th- this sight unseen. Uh, Georges is like, well, the cat is is ugly and it has speckles, and so Michelle says, ugly speckles. Let's call the cat ugly speckles. Ooh. And they just laugh and laugh, and they're <laughs> like, yes, that's its name now. <sighs> Also, you're bad at naming things. Yeah. So, that's our one break in the in the torture scene, but that doesn't really make it better. No, I, mean, I think it makes it a little better, because that's a really bad name. So, I'm like, you know... It, yeah, the- it does kind of bring you out of it emotionally, but then just makes it tedious. Like, no, I was thinking, you know, punishment doesn't fit the crime, mind, but at least I feel a little bit... No, I'm joking, totally. Oh, my God. <laughs> Michelle, like, Michelle is, like, personality-wise, the same insufferable Michelle that we meet in the mansion, Mm. also. Like, I mean, I think Michelle's just, like, not the kind of person who would respond to someone like Aimee and be like, tell me about yourself. Like, you know, like, even back when she was trying to, like, help him uh, be a girl, right? Like, and, and I think that also is part of this whole awkwardness and lack of understanding. Yeah. So after after Aime stops torturing him, the servants go back to feeding him, but still nobody talks to him, and um, he continues like this uh, until he's sixteen, and uh, he he's like, I give up. Like he's like, I guess this is my life now. Like I'm just gonna be stuck in this dark room forever, and no one's ever gonna talk to me again. And uh, and then suddenly. One night, Didier and George are pounding on the door, and they're like, "Michelle, are you are you still in there? Are you still in there?" And and at first, he like doesn't trust them. He's like, "Why why would you do this now? You know, like what what where, where were you all the rest of the time?" And they're like, "We're sorry, but but Dad wants to like." Dad wants to kill you. Dad like wants to get rid of this cursed demon child in this family, and and we're arranging you to, for you to escape. 
we, we've got a carriage waiting, like, you have to leave. And, um, and Michelle's like, why should I bother? Maybe I should, like, you know, like, you, you, all this time I've been here, for, I've been locked in this room for two years, and y'all never came and, sa- and visited me, and they're like, oh, well, you know, we were really busy with stuff. That I couldn't friggin' believe. Like, yeah, I had, I had a thing. And the, the explanation, like, the, the explanation that, okay, there was a lot of turmoil when you threw the grenade in that one brother's been sleeping with the other brother, brother's wife. Okay, that was a problem for a while. But two years? Two years is a pretty long time to not get over that. You can't, or you can't sneak in a message. And even the brothers themselves are like, yeah, we got over that after a little bit. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. I mean, it's been two years, so yeah, they, they worked, it, worked it out, so... Uh, so they, but they do apologize. Like they are just like that wasn't right. I don't. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Well, to keep in mind, they, they, George doesn't apologize. Pretty much, he. I mean, he's like he gives a wishy washy one, but then Didier's like, you know, yeah, we were absolutely wrong. We shouldn't have done that. We apologize. Yeah, but George does gender Michelle correctly. He says he. Yeah. Right away, and Didier never says it. Nope. So they each are showing it in their own way. He doesn't? I, I thought... Yeah. Didier never says brother, never genders. Oh, I never... I didn't notice that, actually. I thought they both did, but... Hmm. Because he's a Templar. Hmm. <laughs> so, but but George is, like, right off the bat, like, he, like, your bro- brother, no problem. Um, so I think that's his way of apologizing as well. So they, they both, like, come around and they're like, we're not gonna... They're like, we're not going to let you down again. But of course they do. And, uh, and like right away, like Georges, like both of them use the name Michelle, like spelled with no L-E at the end um, well, in their dialogue. Yeah. But I guess it's pronounced, it, I don't know if it's pronounced literally exactly the same. I'm pretty sure it is. I mean, it's not in the Japanese, it's in Katakana, it's, just, it's the same both ways, so... Hmm, yeah. The translation, the translator to to make a choice here. Oh yeah, so I guess that's the difference. Like in English, you know, it's switching between the two spellings depending on the intentions of the person who's speaking. Exactly, and you you don't have to do it in Japanese. You just it's always the same. They just they, they write it in English when they want to make a point in in Japanese, like when he changed his name. But otherwise, it's always written the same. That's actually a pretty tough like translation choice to make. Uh, every time the name comes up to decide which 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 version to use, because that's a lot of intent, yeah. Which I don't know that audibly you would be able to hear if they were if they were if we're talking about setting this in France. I don't know what the difference are, is between Michelle and Michelle in France. I think at least the game wants to make you think it's, it's exactly the same. It sounds exactly the same. It definitely gave me like I def- like because they used the masculine Michelle in this scene, it definitely made me come around more that the brothers were truly remorseful. If they had done the feminine Michelle, then I would have felt like, this is fake. They're all fake. Kill them all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Curse all of them. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the intent of the scene, too, is to... Yeah. Yeah, that that, that Michelle at least thinks that, that this is the brothers finally coming around, or at least having the hope that this is the brothers coming around and supporting him. Right. And they're promising him, like, like George is like, after dad dies, you can come back. Like, because us and mom, we know that, that you're just going to be exiled and you're not really going to be dead. And you can come back. We're going to pretend you're dead. Yeah, he also says, like, he's, he's old. You're probably back next week. 
Yeah, yeah, like, they have no respect for their father at all. Hate him. Hate his guts. Um, so George is like, and, and since Didier is, is gonna be a knight, George is, George is gonna be the one that inherits the estate, and so he's like, when I'm in charge, obviously you can come back. It'll be great. Don't worry. Um, but Didier is the one who says, we're gonna send you, uh, a monthly box of food and supplies. Yeah. But also, in the time when, when George is like, I'm gonna be in charge, everything will be fine. M.A. gets brought up, who is going to be his wife, and clearly is able to manipulate him. And there's the opportunity for... And and, and Michelle almost says what, what happened, and then stops, and doesn't say, and doesn't tell his brothers about the abuse. Yeah, even though, like, based on everything else in the scene, I think they would have believed him. Like, yeah. Michelle says all this stuff to them, and they're like, yes, we believe you, like... You know, we we think that you're, uh, you know, like everything else that he says about what happened to him, they they believe. They don't pause. They don't question anything that he says to them. I I could have been okay with like it's possibly like uh, he's traumatized by it, you know, so didn't want to bring that up or what ha- you know what I mean, like or couldn't bring himself to do it. Um, but. He can't, does he reason here why? Like, yeah, yes, yeah. 100%. Which yeah. is like, I, which it, it comes up again, and it, it, it kind of struck me as like, I hope they're really concealing the fact that he couldn't bring himself to do it, because I don't really, I, I can't buy this at all, you know? Yeah, the, explana- the, it, yeah, the explanation being that, that um, George is happy with Amy now, and it would ruin his marriage if, if it, it, this were to come up. I think that's exactly what the game tries to do with Michelle's personality. It's the same reason he doesn't want to curse anyone later. He just yeah. doesn't want anyone to suffer. Well, he, his brother is going to be marrying somebody like that. Well, they are married. Oh, they are married. Yeah, there you go. Even better. But they also say they're not going to tell M.A. about... The, they're not going to tell M.A. that uh, Michelle is really alive. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously, like, Georges, I wouldn't expect... I would expect this guy to spill the beans, like, the second day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that aside they say that they're not going to tell her so that i mean there's some I, there's some amp- more ambiguity about whether she is the one that influenced george to um very directly to forsake michelle mm. later right obviously some shit went down in that mansion because of what happened to giselle so like things were not good no yeah i think it's more that that just the implication of George being so stupid <laughs> that, that, yeah. that it could yeah, it could happen, but no, it is it is definitely left ambiguous for, for going forward. And he ends up stuck in a painting somehow at the end. Yeah, God, how does that? That's still a mystery. Yeah. This whole, yeah. I mean, it must be related to the fact that he didn't come see the body, but we'll see that. We'll see that in a minute. We don't, we don't know what happens to George. Yeah, well, it's, we ain't there yet. Um. So, so yeah, so... Michelle is sent away in the in the carriage. Before he leaves, he's like, "I am your brother, right?" And and George is like, "Yes, you're you're my brother, and I love you, and you're my brother." And Didier is just like, "Yes," but he doesn't. He still doesn't use the. Just says your family. Yeah, pronoun. Mm. Um, I I don't know. I, in this moment, I feel like they are good. They they are good brothers. Mm-hmm. They they just you know. They're just dumb. 
<laughs> and they need, you know, they they need to respect women more. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but they they're well intentioned. What's the what do they say like like victim of your time or something like that or what's the phrase like you the product of the time they were in or some crap like that? Yeah. 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 But uh, at the very least, it's understandable why Michelle still has this these feelings for his brothers like Michelle like cares about his brothers and still has hope for them yep. you know whether or not they are completely above board at this point it, it's understandable that that, that that is the way this whole scene has been processed by Michelle mm-hmm. yeah and Michelle continues to care very deeply about family all that stuff um, throughout the throughout his whole story god we've got so much left to talk about yeah, this goes on for a while. Yeah. Back in the present with the with the blood stairs, you know, where we were last time. Uh Michelle is in the void. because uh, he I think he got like pulled into the blood or something like that. Anyway, he's in the void. Um Morgana is there and she's mocking him and saying no woman would ever love him, you know, cuz when we left off, uh she had presented this Illusion that Giselle was like, oh no, even after a thousand years of being in love with you and both of us being dead, for some reason a penis matters still. Um, and <laughs> uh, which is absurd. And uh, and even later, he's like, I know it was absurd, but I was like embarrassed. Um, it, that is like the ultimate male fantasy, though, right? Like, no, no, after a thousand years, the penis still does matter to everyone. Everyone cares about the penis. My incorporeal schlong is above all. <laughs> I will come back as the mummy in 2,000 years, and somebody will be like, yo, you still packing heat, buddy? Oh, my God. Uh, so, um, yeah, Michelle is there, and there's like this brief, like, come up for air as time, you know, passes but not really because when we go back to the story Michelle's in the in the carriage headed toward the mansion and uh, he arrives at the mansion the first thing he finds in the mansion is the stained glass window of the Archangel Michael um, and immediately goes to the observation tower he finds the door to the observation tower gets a bad vibe from it and is like this is where I need to be and uh the, the door at the top of the tower and he gets exhausted going up the tower because he's again weak malnourished never exercises <laughs> like gamer life you know what I'm saying uh, yeah he's a gamer he needs, he needs more Mountain Dew gam, gamer fuel <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> folks <laughs> uh, so he gets to the door at the top to Morgana's room and it is covered with lots of ropes and he's like wow this was me you know not that long ago I was like locked in this room and it was barred off and everyone was scared to come in so empathizing with that he burns all the ropes off with this candle that he's holding and opens the door and is like whatever's in there is probably you know misunderstood like me and what do you know inside is Morgana's skeleton uh, a one armed skeleton a, one, a small one-armed skeleton <laughs> and uh, Michelle's like wow same <laughs> <laughs> big mood <laughs> and um, 
he is like he thinks about you know he imagines like all the horrible scenarios that could have befallen this person to have ended up in this situation and he feels bad um but he lives in the mansion for three years before anything happens between him and Morgana um he continues to get letters from his mother uh and he writes letters to his mother as Michelle female Michelle every year every month and his mother writes back and the notes just say please come back when your curse is broken and this is also we we skipped over it but this is a promise that he made to Didier that he would reach out and and try to help and you know try to reciprocate uh, his mother's uh you know communication and 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 you know give back to her what she needed yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Michelle, obviously we know from Giselle's story that, that Lydia does not do well. That she is, like, losing her mind. Um, which is rough. I mean, you know, there's this whole, like, it's it shatters her whole worldview that such a thing is even possible. And, uh, but she can't, she can't handle it. She just, she just, she's decided to cope with it by just wishing really hard that everything would be easy. Yep, brain wishing. Yeah, and uh, eventually Michelle, he he over this amount of time, he basically like his trust erodes because he's not getting any communication from his brothers. His communication from his mother is continue to continues to upset him, and uh, and he just feels like you know whatever they promised, he starts to lose that that trust. And he goes to the chapel. And the only people that come visit him are the the servants to deliver. And they won't even talk to him. Like, they, no. they're, like, afraid or something. I don't know. I mean, they were told he's a, a witch or something, right? Or, or were they? Or cursed or put him. Cursed. Cursed, no. yeah. Even if they, you know, the, the Bollinger family didn't tell him, I'm sure the other servants would be like, hey, mm-hmm. you, you got a uh, delivery duty, huh? That sucks. You know what's at that house, right? Skeleton with one arm. It's spooky. Woo. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, Michelle prays at the chapel. He prays to God to tell him what his, what his deal is. He basically starts to be like, what if I was wrong? What if I am a, a woman, like, who's just confused? Like, what if that is me? I don't know how that fixes his situation. No. But it, a, a desperate person, especially a desperate person left alone to deal with issues that they can't confront head-on because they just don't have enough information, the idea that they could reach out to God to just, hey, just fix me. That's my prayer. Just fix mm-hmm. Make this better so I don't have to do this anymore. <laughs> you know stuff. <laughs> yeah. So he spends time in the observation. Oh, he can't open any of the windows, right, as we know. So yeah, they've he's, been shut. He's still in the dark. So he spends time in the observation tower because there's a window there. And uh, he tells Morgana that he pities her. He like talks to the skeleton and like holds on, holds the skeleton, and is like, Caresses, "I'm so yeah. sorry that this happened to you." And he even says, like, by pretending to pity the skeleton, I felt better about myself. <laughs> it's got a real Wilson vibe. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And uh, and then before he knew it, it had been eight years. That is five more years. Um, eight years total. Is it true that there, there was one strange line about someone with a weird illness coming to the mansion? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was no visitors except one person with an illness. Wasn't there a scene? Yeah. 
It has to be about something, because it was a really strange line in the middle of nowhere. So, do you remember there's a part where they, th- or <laughs> there's a, they think, like, the mansion's cursed, or it might have been one of uh, Morgana's, like, lies, where it's, like, he's contagious, you know? Or it could even just be, like, that's how that village thinks it's, like, cursed or whatever. It's, like, I, I kind of got the implication that that the he was meant to sort of be, like, this harbinger telling people, like, oh, don't go to that mansion. Like, that guy got cursed or ill or dead or something like that, you know? People outside the Bollingers. I really want to think there's a scene out there. Yeah, there's a scene that we, we got in an early chapter that was some some guy going there and then, like, being scared off. I don't remember that, but... I'm thinking maybe it's foreshadowing something in the final chapter, but I I don't know what what's going to be. I could also be mixing up someone else coming to the mansion for some other reason. Well, and we also had the lie chapter too, which I've while trying to piece together, like, oh, did this happen for real or not? Like, it's oh, that's right in the fake chapter, yeah, the fake Giselle chapter, yeah. But Giselle was already there. This is before Giselle. Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah. But he, uh, one day, uh, instead of supplies, a painting arrives, and it is the painting of the white-haired girl. But not really. It's uh, it's not the white-haired girl. It's uh, it's clearly like obviously like George has painted it, but it's what Michelle would look like at his current age if he were a woman, um, and. I mean, obviously, um, Michelle is furious at, at George specifically for painting this painting, but mm-hmm. it's clear in the, in the sort of, like, subtext that their mother must have been pestering him to paint it for a very long time, mm. and he finally was like, okay, because I don't want you to, like, lose your mind completely, like, here you go, I guess. Wasn't there a thing where there's something behind the painting, or what am I thinking of? That was the first that was the chapter. Two kids. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah, no, no, I, yeah, exactly. So that's why I was like, yeah. yeah. The the thing about the painting though is, even though yeah, there's probably the mother pestering. It really the reaction, especially from Michelle, is that it feels almost like dead naming. Like this picture yeah. is like like that's like that's how bad like you're, like you knew what I m and you understood what happened and you still decided to do this this betrayal is like that's a it's a very strong betrayal from one of his brothers who he trusted yeah that's what i was sort of hoping george was gonna uh send a lot to be like yeah sorry about that hope you enjoyed ripping it up though mm, right yeah, yeah right he could have sent a, a letter in the, also that was like look mom was making me do this and i'm sorry mm-hmm because there must be, but there must be like something cathartic also about just tearing that up. Yeah, totally. One thing that's interesting is that the letter that comes with it from Michelle's mother has the line "Recall your true self," which is obviously, of course, the same line phrased in the same way hmm. as when Michelle and Giselle were remembering who they really were. Hmm. Um, so, so this was like, this is a, a tipping point, um, in the backgrounds at this point, there's like some fog in the mansion. It's like thick in there. And, um, as Michelle destroys the painting, he feels like, I want to punish everyone who ever, ro- I wanted to punish everyone who ever wronged me. And suddenly Morgana's voice appears and she says, I can make that happen. Come visit me and set me free and he's like 
who are you? And <laughs> it's really, she's really got to beat him over the head with it. Like, who else is here? Yeah. It's very much like that, like, the prototypical, like, devil on one shoulder, angel on the other, except there's only Morgana. <laughs> He's just yeah. like, hey, what's up, kid? Yeah. <laughs> you want to curse your family? <laughs> I, I can do it. I can do it right now. Boom. It could happen right now. <laughs> I'm proto Beetlejuice, yeah. but, uh. Yeah. And, uh, she, she's like, come up and see. Come on up and, and see me in my horrible tower. And <laughs> he does. He goes up to the top of the observation tower, and when he opens the door, the skeleton is gone. And Morgana is a voice in his head now. And she offers to curse uh, someone of his choice, one or many people, and... Uh, Gives him a quick discount. She's just like, yeah, I can totally curse anybody. Name what yeah, you want. I curse for freeing them. me. Like, Guess what? I'll just keep doing it. Just name all yeah. of them. I'll, do, I'll give them all. Okay. Yeah. We're giving away curses today. More like the clearinghouse of Fata Morgana. Oh my god. Oh god. Hey! <laughs> so Michelle notes again and again that Morgana's voice has a power to it. Um, that there's more... There's a supernatural element of it. It's not just, like, someone trying to convince someone else. And, um, this, when he, uh, interacts with Morgana, he sees a black butterfly, uh, flying in the, in, like, the light of the window in that room. And when he sees that black butterfly, he is reminded of all the wrongs that were, com- uh, committed against him. But he also has a strong memory of loving his brothers, and he can't bring himself to curse any of them. And Morgana's like, why? They did all kinds of horrible things to you. All of them are garbage. And uh, Michelle's like, I don't I don't want to hate them. Like, maybe he does hate them, but he doesn't want to. Yeah. Aww. And Morgana's like, give up hope and embrace despair. And he is, and he's like, no. I won't. I won't curse anyone. Can't bring himself to do it. And uh, she, she's like, she, and the whole time she's like, "We're not so different, you and I." Oh my god, like, <laughs> we're the same. And um, so she's like, I'll, "I'm going to convince you. Like, I'm going to help you because this is this is what happened to me. And like, you know, th- I like you'll you'll see you'll see just like I saw when I was alive." And, uh, from then on, he starts to hear her voice every day, and, uh, Morgana says that she considers Michelle a close friend, and it really, like, kind of weirdly seems like she's, she does feel like she made the right choice to the point where she feels like she's helping him. Hmm. Or at least that's her argument, which she is making in a convincing fashion. Yeah, but the way that it plays out, it kind of feels like she kind of believes that, too, at least in the beginning. Yeah. Well, she certainly doesn't betray her general wor- worldview at any point. Like, she is definitely committed to this. And <laughs> yeah. she's not. Like, it's, this is not a deception. Like, this is how she feels the world should work. Mm hmm. Yeah. So then, uh, a servant arrives at the mansion to deliver the monthly package, and Michelle's like, I know this person's not going to help me, but I have to ask. And he's like, please help me. There's a witch in this house, like, the witch is real, and she's, like, talking to me, ah. and like, this is, like, please help me, I need to leave, and the servant is just like, I'm gonna quit this job. She wants to be friends, and I... 
She just won't shut up. You know what I'm saying? Women, huh? The minute, the minute he's like, "I oh, only I can hear," it's like, "Ah, oh, you fool!" You know, like that's yeah. Yeah. So the servant's like, "I'm quitting this job," <laughs> and um, and after after he gets rejected, Morgana's like, "We're the same. Both of us. We have a right to curse these people because of what happened to us." And Michelle's like, no, like, I'm not special. I'm just an ordinary man, which is what he says, uh, which is what he said earlier when he was climbing the blood stairs, talking about him and Giselle. I'm just an ordinary man who loves an ordinary woman. And, uh, he runs away. He, like, runs out of the mansion at one point, arguing with Morgana. And he's like, I'm just gonna leave. I don't care anymore. Um, but when he walks outside into the direct sunlight, he has an illusion where he feels like he's catching, his skin catches fire, like a vampire. Yep. Mm-hmm. But when he runs back inside, he's fine. Yeah, there's no, no, no effects. Yeah, so he was like, was that, was that, that was your illusion, Morgana? And Morgana's like, sometimes when people are really distressed, they can hallucinate things. <laughs> <laughs> it's the ultimate non-answer answer. Yeah. I like that though. I feel like a lot of her there's there's so much ambiguity between like either explanation is viable, right? Like the magical and the non-magical one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's what she's doing. She definitely wants him to constantly think about that 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 okay, yeah, it's probably it's probably not magic or maybe it is or maybe it's not. And like so that every action is questionable. Yeah. So Michelle collapses in front of the stained glass window, and that's his big moment. He feel, he says he lets go of his connection to humanity. But he still doesn't curse anyone. And then uh, two more years pass. So he, you know, this is at the point where Giselle's on her way to showing up. And, you know, he has, I guess, like, agreed to Morgana's worldview and uh, he spends his time sitting in front of the fire just watching it because TV hasn't been invented yet. Mm-hmm. Fair. And Morgana's like, Morgana's like, what's, you know, do you want to die? Uh, you know, what, what, what do you, and he's like, no, I don't. I, I, well, maybe I do, but I don't have the energy to do it. And Morgana's like, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> if only Big Bang Theory had been on, and then he would have been like, yeah, definitely kill me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, God, we're still, we got a lot left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this goes, uh, just, to, just to emphasize, if you are not reading along with us, uh, if you're just like, if you've played it previously, to remind you, this goes on for a long time. This whole chapter is extremely long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Giselle shows up at the next part, and, you know, we've already, we already know what happens uh, when Giselle shows up. We hear, we get to see the conversations he had with Morgana about the situation, and Morgana's like, we're gonna get rid of her, right? And Michelle's like, no, not yet, I gotta, I gotta figure out her secrets. But, um, I don't know if Morgana is jealous. I feel like she's a little jealous. Yeah. And definitely the music changes when Giselle shows up. Like, we find, like, it's kind of repetitive previously, but then we get that, like, that main theme comes back in, the little element of hope. Yeah. So like you get the the game definitely gives you the feel like oh something's changing now and and like it seems like Morgana's reacting to like oh something is changing now with him and the whole situation. Yeah. 
And uh, we get the behind the scenes of uh, Michelle's mother's response to his query about Giselle. Yeah, she sent him the knife. She sent him a knife! She sent him a holy knife! So he didn't just tear it with him the entire time. No, she sent him a knife to kill the witch with, and she and she's like, this this woman we sent, I'm so sorry, like, I couldn't tell your father the truth, he thought the mansion was empty, so he sent this woman there, but she's a witch, you have to kill her, she's horrible. Um, but as we know, when he drives Giselle out, um, he hears, like, the, her reaction and the scream that she makes and how, you know, it, it reminds him of his own despair and uh and he's like no like i she must not be evil like that was different that like i recognize that response of like hopelessness and he can't let go of it and uh and then it goes to you know that she comes back and he you know they talk to each other they realize that they're the same that they uh and we have a couple uh i think we have we have a flashback then that a scene we haven't seen before where this cat and there's a cat that's been, like, breaking into the mansion to try to steal food. And uh, Giselle's like, I haven't been able to catch him, though. And But if I catch him, then we can have a cat. We can take care of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, Michelle's like, are you going to name it? And and Giselle's like, why don't, why don't you name it? What do you want to name the cat? And uh, and he's like, what, what does the cat look like? And, and she says something similar. And he's like, let's call it Ugly Speckles Mark II. Yeah. Did they have Mark II? No, they did not. Okay, because, no. like, yeah. I'm- it's, it's, it's the second in Japanese. It's a, ah. it's a translation yeah. joke. Well, yeah. And Giselle's like, what does that even mean? Well, it stands for Mortal Kombat 2. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. The only, the only true gamer translation. <laughs> And then Michel has a line in his narration where he's like, I think that I treasured our time together even more than Giselle did. And now that we have this new perspective, we see that even though from Giselle's perspective, he was very closed off. Like for him, this was like magical time of just anyone talking to him like he was a normal person and just like being nice. And uh, so eventually Michel goes up to the observation tower and uh, it's like, Morgana, I gotta talk to you. Like, this is the place where we first met, so I wanted to do it here. And basically, <laughs> which is like very, like, I need to break up with you vibes mm-hmm. right there, right off the bat. Mm-hmm. He tries to break up with Morgana. And she's like, oh, it's fine. Like, you're wrong. But, you know, you're gonna be back. You're gonna come back in utter despair, needing my help, and when that happens, I'm gonna help you, you know? But until then, you know, you can learn this lesson on your own. And he's like, okay. And and then she leaves him. Stop, I just got shivers from conversations I've heard before. (laughs) (laughs) So. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, so Michelle is still nervous about telling Giselle the truth about his body, even without Morgana there to be like, no one will ever love you. And, uh, I just, like, it's just so much. And, like, um, 
then he's like, uh, well, you know, we wouldn't, he, he like, puts so much emphasis on, like, the physical act of sex and, like, the physical act of penetration as, like, necessary for love. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he's like, Did you just it slap been- your hands when you said that? Like- <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, yeah, a little bit. I was so mad about it. <laughs> you know, you know, this thing. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, it's because the next line that I wrote, I was like, um, like, so Michelle is like, I, I, he felt like a physical attraction to her and he like feels like he wants to have sex with her, but he doesn't know how it works. <laughs> Michelle, people figured this out in the future. <laughs> it's insane how this could work. I don't know. What? Have a little imagination, but it's Michelle. So of course he doesn't have any imagination. <laughs> no, no, nope. God. Uh... So, let's see. Um, oh, and there's also, like, a moment where, um, like, you can kind of put the pieces together that, like, Michelle says, like, you know, he, he want, he, you know, never wanted to curse, he never cursed anyone, but he did talk to Giselle that one time where he was like, theoretically, if I could curse someone, mm-hmm. would you want to do it? Well, about his and, dad. And, like, that's the closest yeah. he, yeah, that's the closest he ever came to cursing anyone, and it was because of something that happened to her, not him. Mm. It's like a guy who kind of has a connection to the mob. Like, <laughs> hey, you know, well, I'm not saying I could, but theoretically, if you want this guy eliminated, yeah, I know some people. <laughs> yeah. So the ending, you know, the ending of the, the previous uh, chapter before last, uh, you know, they the crusades arrives, the knights arrive, and uh, Michelle says in his last moments, Morgana, protect Giselle. And she's like, oh, you're going to curse people? Finally, finally. And he's like, no, I want you to protect Giselle. And she's like, excuse me? So you want me to kill Giselle? So what? I'm I'm sorry. Uh, what? What's the opposite? I, I'll protect her with a curse? It's the opposite <laughs> of killing? I don't... Uh, what? So, um... And and also, as he knows he's going to die, Michelle prays that he will be reborn in a body that better suits him, which I feel like is there to, like, add ambiguity or, like, add more, like, maybe, actually, maybe add affirmation that he is not the white-haired girl. Mm. And yeah. um, then Morgana's like, okay, if you, you know, if you're going to do that, if you're going to go out there, you know, and die, like, that's, basically, he pays with his life for her protecting Giselle, and she's like, "Go, fine, go out there and face despair." And uh, and Michelle realizes as he goes outside exactly what that means because the knight that came to kill him was Didier. Yeah. And he, Michelle dies in utter despair uh, at his favorite brother being the one to murder him. Did anybody see that coming? Because I have to admit, I was pretty—I didn't expect that at all. No. No, I didn't. That was well done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as soon as she said, like, you're, you're going to have ultimate despair, she, like, she emphasizes the despair aspect. I'm like, uh, this probably isn't going to be what you think it's going to be, but I didn't anticipate it being DDA. Yeah. I was fully expecting it to be, you know, there, I was expecting them there to be a betrayal, but I was, ex- full, I was expecting it to be, uh, like, uh, on decree of George Bollinger, like, the knights would say that George sent them. I, I was not expecting Didier. Yeah, or, like, the final scene with with um, Giselle wouldn't play out the same way. Like she would say something horrible 
to him before he left or say something through the door horrible, but like that doesn't happen. It's just, it's, yeah, it's just DDA stabbing him right in the freaking body. All right. Now, let me ask this question. Now that the shock of it's over, um, good surprise or kind of unearned? Cause I gotta be honest, I was like shocked at first and I really liked it and I was thinking about it later and I, I don't really get it, but. Well, it just shows that over that 10 years, mm-hmm. you know, Didier like basically lost, lost faith or interest in Michelle and was like, you know, convinced, really like indoctrinated by the, the church. Mm-hmm. And th- I mean, that's what he wanted. So like. I was sort of like. I was suspicious of them when they were taking uh, Michelle out in the, the carriage to the place. But I was like, well, if they did have ill will towards Michelle, then they wouldn't be doing this whole plan. So right. I, I guess, yeah, it, it must have been that Didier was indoctrinated at, at some point between then and now. And not that he was just ar- always harboring this issue. I mean, I don't think we're going to find out. Is the other thing, you know? So I don't know. I I like I like it, but I'm kind of like I'm kind of side eyeing it. Yeah, and like who knows, right? Like they could have they could have been like, oh, your sister is like a cursed demon child. Like you have to go do this, or else we're gonna kick you out of the order and we're gonna say that you're blasphemous or whatever. Yeah, I think the big part of for for at least that that there's okay, Michelle is hopeful about. It. His brothers. Like, that is a big thing about the hope that he has for his brothers and for his family and for remembering the good times they had. But his brothers, like, these shitheads don't talk for him two years when he's walled up in the house. They don't talk for him ten years when he's, like, literally one carriage ride away with a a note they could send. Yeah. Like, they don't say shit to him. These aren't good people. Now curse them. Sorry, God. But, but, like, but his ex, but his hope, the the hope that he clings to is sort of a defining feature of Michelle. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it tells us a lot about them. I think the only thing we know about them is the fact that they, they don't make any effort to reach out. They don't do anything to in any way mitigate what's going on, especially when they know the mother's sending constant letters being like, you're a girl, you're a girl, that stuff. So, like, it's not completely earned. I'll, I'll totally say that. It is not completely earned. But I think it's earned at least in the fact that they are so not present in his life. Mm-hmm. That them flipping over to, to being complete assholes from being partial assholes is not unreasonable. Fair. Did he also also doesn't say very much in this scene, uh, even though Michelle keeps like um, shouting out to him and and asking why why he's doing this. He's just like saying the ceremonial stuff, and that's mm-hmm. it. And then just um, doesn't say anything when when Michelle asks him what's going on. Uh, I think it's trying to show that maybe he's a bit conflicted about this, but like he has, he has no choice. But he also says, it, Didier says, like, we're here to execute the demon child, and yeah. um, and then there's immediately a flashback to Didier saying to Michelle, like, you're not a demon child. Yeah. But it, it has been ten years. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Georges, I think, I think we know is, is well, probably not the completely good person but at least has the right idea because of what we saw him inside inside the painting Mm. where he seemed to be very regretful and he's weak i think george is definitely weak and and could be pushed into things that he would regret later how'd he get in that painting Mm -hmm. i hope they're going to show us because it's it's a mystery (laughs) that'd be pretty just tripped and that's how he got there (laughs) (laughs) Oh, his, his name's actually Mario. 
That's it. Oh my god. <laughs> Where's the Fata Morgana ROM hack of Mario 64? Mario 64 crossover. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Michelle, he, so he dies, but his soul, like, continues to be connected to his body until his body decomposes. Um, like, yeah, like, he can see his body, like, separate from himself, but he is, like, he says when Didier drags the body away, he is dragged along, his soul is dragged along with it. Like, he has to watch this whole scene play out. Mm. They bring the body to the the village, the former communist utopia, mm-hmm. and Amade is there because, yeah, mm-hmm. and he's like... You killed the witch that was threatening us. Thank you, knights. And they're like all in a day's work, and they hang up Michelle's body, and then they leave. And while and Didier is the one who does it, and the whole time Michelle, as a ghost, is like yelling at him, like, "Please don't do this. Like, please don't tie me up naked on a cross in the middle of this town." And but Didier can't hear him because he's a ghost. Uh. Three, so the the knights leave after that. Three days later, Michelle's mother arrives, and she's with a, a priest. And um, the priest is like, you know, you. It's, it's something along the lines of, like it makes me think like their family is being like interrogated about this. That like, yeah. and it's like you need to, to you know disavow this child, and and she's like, oh yeah, you know this. <laughs> This is a demon. I, you know, I was tortured by this demon, and uh, and he's like, "Well, then burn the body." And so she does. Yeah, prove you have no relations or relationship or whatever familial tie. Yeah, familial ties. I think was the word. And then yeah, she's like, "All right, with pleasure, I will burn this kid like this, right?" (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, and so with the destruction of his physical body, Mich- Michelle's soul is, is free. And, uh, but in, still, instead of cursing those other people, he prays to no longer exist. Uh, so he kind of like forgets about Giselle in that moment. And it's just like, I don't want to exist anymore. And his soul disintegrates into dust. But as dust, he, hears Giselle's voice saying like please come help me please you know where are you I'm waiting for you and from that he has to regenerate himself into some something from nothing and that is why he when he finally does after several lifetimes of trying to regenerate his form he appears in the mansion as this incorporeal shadow so we get that. That brings us back to the beginning of the game. So we're we're back to the present. And he says that there was some times during that process where he didn't know what happened, which we are supposed to take for the times where he was the white-haired girl. But yeah, Morgana says this to him in the present, like those gaps are when you were the white-haired girl. Um, and and again, Morgana's like Giselle, like she's not gonna love you now that she knows the truth, um, which doesn't make any sense. Morgana's still trying to get him to curse everyone; he won't do it. Um, and she's like, "If you leave right now, you know, I'll I'll wish for your reincarnation as as a cisgender man, and you know, you'll f- 
you'll it'll be great. You'll be able to have babies and <laughs> be alive. Yep, and I think a big part of so this whole situation, where, and especially the last chapter, mm-hmm. Morgana doesn't feel like a real character. She feels like you know a a, a plot element, a, a way of moving things along. But I think more emphasized in this chapter, and hopefully in the next chapter we'll find out more. But I think in this chapter, Morgana is so much a like almost a like like a, a sense of of something else in his head. Like, like it's almost like Morgana is depression or anxiety. Like Morgana is the voice in your head who says the worst thing <laughs> all the time. Yeah. So that you just just constantly and especially with Michelle constantly reflect on all the bad things in your own life. Morgana's that voice who just makes you keep like being down on yourself all the time so that other people get affected by it. So like you are always self-sabotaging because there's always this voice in your head that says you don't deserve it. No one's going to like you. As soon as you reveal the real you, someone's going to like hate everything you are. Organa is a toxic friend. I mean, she has her own backstory, you know, too. So, but yeah, no, she's that terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like, I very much like Morgana as a villain in that way in this story because it's such a relatable, like it's so, it's like so much else. It's so close to being just negative self-talk instead of magic. Yeah. It, it's unfortunate because the house in Fata Imposter Syndrome doesn't really roll the tongue as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the episode title. <laughs> Uh, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good episode title. <laughs> so then we get the option to let go. It's a timed prompt. I didn't do this because I was so caught up emotionally in the moment. So somebody else tell me what happens. Oh, so this is a weird one. So like when you, you hear the word on it, it's a very interesting one. It is. So, okay. So what happens is Michelle sort of just, you know, just reincarnates or just, just, just becomes this person on the street talking to this uh, this unknown girl so there's this so what what happens is, is we see the same background we saw previously with the eiffel tower in the background of like modern yep. paris yeah modern, modern paris and and michelle there's someone talking to michelle and uh, said that he he was um somewhere else for, for a moment he, he he just went away um and that person is um that the label on the on the um conversation window is the white-haired girl. Uh, and, and they yeah. talk, they're obviously a couple. Uh, they talk about going on vacation to, to Prague next year. Um, and that's basically it. In, in the end, he calls her G- uh, Giselle. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even notice that. I, I was too busy. Like, as soon as it said the white-haired girl, I was like, shit, who is really the white-haired girl? Which, was it, was it Morgana's mom or... <laughs> yeah, and and but but he uh, he keeps feeling like something is missing and and something's wrong. But and then at one point starts crying. Oh yeah, and then blames it on like oh something was blown in my eye. But like clearly this is not a happy ending. This is like this is it, it initially portrays itself as satisfying. Like these two people who are happy with their lives and doing well, and they're going back to Prague, and they're they're always just sort of you know having fun with each other, and 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 you know there's this whole thing, and then just Michelle just randomly starts crying. And the girl's like, "What? What's wrong?" Oh, there's just something in my eye. It's just like I wish I'd cursed people when I had the chance. <laughs> yeah, sorry. And it and it does fit in with the. the there's a recurring uh, element of this chapter of Michelle 
like, wanting to cry, but saying, you know, I'm not going to. I'm going to put up this gruff ex- exterior. Mm-hmm. Only girls cry. And he bites his it's lips true, so though. much that it bleeds, mm-hmm. like, multiple times. And that's why I didn't say that part out loud, because I think that's gross. <laughs> <laughs> it's also weird, because it's... Like, so I understand there is this sort of like Michelle's only pre- presented with these two choices of what's a man, what's a woman, and so like, I guess historically I can understand the thing, but it's also weird to be like, you know, like no, I just can't cry because that, that makes me a woman. I'm not a woman, you know. Just that's a repetitive sort of behavior thing that probably isn't the best thing to emphasize. Mm-hmm. Also, biting your lip so hard that it bleeds—that's gross. Don't do that. It happens. Not to me, but I've heard. I feel like it happens in writing like a thousand times more often than it happens in real life. Because have you been your lip lately? That shit hurts. I feel like though, not that specifically, but like, I feel like I've done something where it's like, I didn't even notice. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you're like biting your nails or something like that. But yeah, I guess. Nails, yeah. OCD behavior, OCD behavior can sometimes manifest as stuff that, that will make you mm. Yeah, and especially like anxious, anxiety fueled OCD behavior can, can definitely ah stuff that's nasty. Well, there you go. Yeah, um, I don't I don't know that that's the explanation that's used in this circumstances. It's just an overwhelming emotion mm-hmm. that produces that, which is not exactly what I'm talking about. But yeah, people can you know self harm is certainly something that can manifest when things are going real shitty. Mm. So is that the 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 let go ending? Yeah, but I'm. I'm- I'm still not sure exactly what's going on in, in that one or the, the previous one that took place in Paris, in modern Paris. Well, let's talk about that in a minute after we finish this because right. and we talk about who the white-haired girl is. So if you don't say let go, you just let it go, then it's like, you don't, you don't let it go. You keep it right here. Um, <laughs> then, uh, Frozen 2. Also, stop, stop everyone listening right now. Do not picture that damn scene in Frozen. Just stop right now. I you it's too late, man. It's not possible to anyway. It's Monarch is, is not giving enough time to let go because Giselle just comes in. Yeah, she's like, Don't listen to her. Giselle appears. Um so there's this really um overwrought and uh beautiful image of the two of them where like Michelle is like he's like has all these wounds on himself and he's like hunched over and then Giselle appears behind him like this beautiful angel, like she's gonna hug him from behind. It's the power of the giant boobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the giant boobs. There's a um, there's a like a red cloth all around them that kind of covers up the blood, and uh, they're both naked. Her hair's everywhere. Um, it, it has a very like it just has like a very biblical feel to it, it's just like a, like a Renaissance Bible scene painting or something. See, to me, all I could think of was the ending to G Gundam. <laughs> I gotta be honest with you, the whole time that this episode was going on, I was thinking about, uh, uh, <laughs> um, um, Ava. I, I, I know it's coming out on Netflix soon, but, like, the whole thing of, like, you know, like, oh, angels. Oh, really? Angel, angels? They, you're created, like, an angel body? Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so, that's true, though. Oh, my God. I'm so fucked up. <laughs> so, um,. Giselle's like, why would you ever think that I would care about, like, are you, I, like I've, I've waited for you for a thousand years and you think that I would, like, care about, like, your body and, like, that, you know, we're not, that's ridiculous. And uh, Michelle's like, no, I never doubted your love. I, I just thought that I myself was, was too weak. I thought that was interesting insight into, you know, 
couples therapy. I don't think it's uncommon. I think that's probably something that people say a lot, mm-hmm. especially when they're suffering themselves. They're like, no, it wasn't you. It was me. Mm. Yeah, but he, did, he didn't doubt that she loved him unconditionally. It was all like him. And, you know, because of that, she might have thought, oh, you don't think I really love you? But it, it was all his internal problem. Yeah. I couldn't get over how badly I see myself and not wanting to show you that. And but Giselle says, like, you should be proud of who you are. And um, and he and she's like, you're not the white haired girl. You're you know, you're this wonderful person. And I, and I love you. And, and then they kiss and they finally kiss. We, we don't get a we don't get a CG of the kiss. Mm-hmm. But the whole mansion is filled with light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we also learn here that Michelle was never the white-haired girl. I think that's how they kind of directed the reader. Um, like mocking us uh, for thinking that he could have been the right-haired girl. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Fata Morgana. Jeez. <laughs> because if you think about it, why would he be? I mean, given all of, of what we know. Well, I mean... I, unless I, th- I was kind of, th- I was thinking at one point maybe Morgana is like sort of torturing him with that, but yeah, that's what I thought too. Is Morgana like doing some kind of ironic punishment? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the game seems to be all about your true self, and why would he be reincarnated as a girl if if what he identifies with is is being a man? Well, you know, the game's also about Morgana's a fucking bitch. Okay, so there's that too. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, but, math, math, let's do some math here. Process of elimination. If Giselle is not the white-haired girl, and Michelle is not the white-haired girl, then who, <laughs> the only person left, is Morgana. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't seem to know that herself. Yeah. So the big reveal is that, 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 that Michelle has to go confront Morgana. One last time to cleanse this whole situation. So he's, but he's, uh, him and, and Giselle are, are together now, and Michelle is like Super Saiyan, powered up by the power of love. His wounds are healed, and he opens the door and into Morgana's room, and he, we see a sprite of Morgana, who's like this, like, corpse, uh, woman. She's very much the way she's depicted at the end of her life. She's just, you know, there's, there's just a hint under the, this giant cloak of her being, Bloody and, and scarred. I really liked her art until the skeleton arm game. <laughs> the skeleton arm, it makes her look like a fighting game character. Yeah, it's like too like cartoony or something. You know what I mean? It's like... Eh. <laughs> so Morgana um, appears and she offers Michelle a sword to kill her with. She's like, hey, that's what you're going to do, right? You're going to kill me. You're going to take your revenge and... He says, I came here to save you. And uh, and she's like, what? Like, you can't. You can't open that door. Like, I control everything here, so you can't open it. And he's like, did you know that the first memory I got back was from looking in a mirror? And she's like, what? And he's like, and the, the bedchamber memory with the key. And uh, and she's like, and he's like, you don't remember any of that. That's because you're not the only one who has authority over this mansion. Uh, Giselle can also affect this mansion, and I can also affect this mansion, um, even if we can't affect it as much as you can. And that's why Giselle was able to break free from Morgana, because she has some power over the mansion as well. And uh, Michelle's like, the door will appear, whether or not it is your will. And Morgana's kind of like calling his bluff and stuff, and um, 
But he's like, no, you you don't have all the power here. We also have power over this. And he wants to basically give the three men a chance to tell their stories. And he says that Morgana was the white-haired girl. And also that the next door has no narrator. <laughs> yeah. Dun, dun, dun. And also that no matter what happens, he must never put down his sword instead of holding hands. Yeah. I don't know what that means. But man, what are the implications of Morgana being the white-haired girl? Let's talk about it. I don't know yet. Yeah. Uh, well, definitely I think that Mar- Morgana is not as disassociated, not, not not as withdrawn from this situation as she claims to be. Yeah. Because if she's reliving these relationships with these men, there's clearly something else going on that that that, that, that isn't presented as as clearly as we've gotten it before. I mean, Morgana keeps insisting here that even if those men had the reasons for what they did, they still did the horrible things they did, which which are inexcusable. Yeah. So I'm trying. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm I'm curious to see what the game actually sh- shows us about like the backstories for these men because because they are p- doing pretty evil things by the end. My theory about Morgana is. That she she's the white haired girl because she rela- she felt like you know her and Michelle they were the same right like she really felt that way like we're the same um, and Michelle was like I'm not gonna curse these people and so the reason why she appears as the white haired girl who looks like Michelle and goes by the name Michelle is because she wants to she believes that she and Michelle are alike and she wants to understand his perspective and she maybe does feel like if I can understand these people then I can move on and and that's what yeah. appearing as the white haired girl was her attempt and and trying to and like trying to love these three characters these three guys um was her trying to understand Michelle's perspective and because she because she so much believed that they were the same. Yeah, I think she's impressed with Michelle. Absolutely. Like that this refusal to surrender to to constantly be like, "Listen, I know that as bad as this is going, I don't want to curse people. I don't want to give up on these other lives that there is something redeemable in all these people who have wronged me has impressed Morgana in a way that like it is important to remember that she never matured she like was she's a spirit who was a dead child who never understood things uh, and never really had the chance to sort of understand nuance in her life and I think that is probably going to be a big factor in terms of like that's that's why this whole cycle repeats is because there's some element of her that is trying to figure out what what is why does Michelle have the strength to not want to destroy the world what is that about where can I where can I re- reflect that kind of thing? So I, I'm excited to see what what's next. So now we we what it's got to be. How did Morgana decide to become the white haired girl? And like, what were her what were her true motivations? Despite what she said, right? Like, was she saying all that stuff because she was trying to convince herself as well? Yeah, and I think she. Uh, it's funny too because whenever she's talking to both Michelle and Giselle, she adopts this tone like she's an older person. Like, like she's the, teaching these children about things. Oh, yeah. But, like, she's never really advanced. She's just been kind of stuck. Yeah. And even with, you know, even with Giselle, she learned a lot from Giselle, and, and both of them have this connection, and so that's why also both of them are trying to help her. I guess we'll figure it out last, next time, which will probably be the whole 
Last chapter, I assume? Yeah, that's the whole game. Yeah, the last chapter is coming up. It's supposed to be really long, though, so we'll... Do we have any... Yeah, do we have, I was going to say, do we have any, like, idea of how we could break it up, or... No, I have no idea. There's a lot of choices. A lot of choices. Some some of them have bad endings, so, you know, try to save and, and pick everything. Yeah, I have, like, a hundred saves. I've done, like, the first five pages of saves. Oh, wow. I'm almost out of pages, actually. Yeah. I don't know why. I haven't loaded any of them, but... I think I'm on the third. Yeah, there's no, there's no, <laughs> no. need to. <laughs> yeah. But I keep thinking there will be. You want to go back to that first page save that you got? The, <laughs> I'm overwriting that one. That's a good one from an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. Anyway, we'll figure it out. We'll post something online if we... Uh, if we are not going to do the entire thing. Yeah. Also, if you're listening to this and you haven't bought this game, like, buy this game and play it. <laughs> it's really good. This chapter alone. Absolutely. Like, it went on way long, but this is really, really good writing. Okay. Until next time. Fata Morgana. Fata Morgana. Creaky door closing sound. It's a me. Fata Morgana. <laughs> oh, my God.